Hello, my name's Jonathan Douglas. I'm director of the National Literacy Trust and 2018 marks our 25th birthday. Um, To celebrate this special milestone, we're inviting extraordinary, inspiring and, well, downright entertaining people to share their experiences of the power of reading and writing. And to kick off our celebrations, I'm thrilled to welcome Dermot O'Leary. Can you give me that eulogy every day? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Does it, does it pep you up? It's wonderful. Excellent. I'm like one of those Roman emperors, you know, used to, the slaves used to go and just whisper in their ears, memento mori, I want that but the other way around. <laughs> brilliant. Well, but it's, it's, it's great that you're here, not least because you're a brilliant advocate for the kind of work that we're doing, but because now you've kind of joined the great ranks of children's writers. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't, I, that's very sweet of you. I know, I, I'm so happy that I was able to come up with an idea and pitch it and get it published and that for me is is such an achievement like that now if I can carry on doing that I'd, I'd be I'd be that's quite I'd be I'd be so happy well that that's what that's what I want to talk about today with you because Toto the Ninja Cat mm. is an extraordinary story it's brilliant it's quirky it's exciting I think it's got a few few Thank messages you. in there about London as well which is yeah. kind of cool as well um, but you clearly you know you've got that writing bug deep within you did that did that start from your family back oh, I really did yeah and thank, by the way thanks for calling it quirky because I, I I didn't necessarily go out of my way to write a quirky book but that's kind of the, the stuff that I used to like to read when I was a kid yeah yeah it was always the stuff that I felt had a knowing wink in there you, yes, know? Yes. And then, you know just in terms of listen we know the adults get this but you know we know this is a kid's book but we, you're smarter than the adults think you are, kind of, kind but, of a nudge, nudge. And you do that really well, because Catface, I mean, you, you know, there's, there's something dodgy about Catface from the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, one could... How, one where could've... are we with plot spoilers here? What can I tell you? What... Oh, I, 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 I just go for it. You know, I... I, I... So, well, Catface is actually a rat. And uh, th- throughout, the, that's kind of like, it's not, an, it's not what I call a massive plot twist, but Catface is uh, a cat that the, the, the two other... Uh, the, the story essentially is Toto the Ninja gets about my cat, who is a who is blind, and we realised she was blind from birth very quickly, uh, but she had incredible ninja-like tendencies. So that gave me the idea for the book. And her her brother uh, Silver isn't a ninja, but he's kind of essentially it was almost like her guide cat. So right, it's almost so like yeah. her, well, but, the, the, but this, also, but this, you know, this is, thing is, about is, her disability is actually quite again quite it's got a bit of a depth to it. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's it's definitely. I don't want to make too much of yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, largely because I don't have any experience personally in that, so I didn't want to speak for, you know, obviously I'm sort of anthropomorphizing it, so I didn't want to speak yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but it's definitely part of her character. Yeah. Like, she's mapped our whole house. She knows exactly where she is. Unless you, like, every now and again, me and my wife will do something stupid, like leave a cardboard box that she'll career into. And we're like, oh, no, I'm sorry, Toto. Um, and uh, it's all in the book. They've been in, in the UK because they're Italian. They've been in the UK for three or four weeks and they find this very strange looking cat rooting around their bins. And that's where their friendship with Catface starts, who's actually a rat with species identity issues. So he has realized he looks like a cat and therefore he wants I love to, the concept of species identity issues. He and wants to live his life new. like yeah. a cat. And yeah, yeah. he realized that and cats it's his are cool. choice. hundred percent, absolutely. But he's been kind of uh, ostracised by his family because they're rats, and his rat royalty. His, his real name is Alexander Ratanov, three hundred thirty third, and he can trace his family back to the Black Plague when they first came over, and um, <laughs> uh, from Germany. And he is so he's kind of. I just tried to make him a bit like Stephen Fry, oh, and right. a cross between Stephen Fry oh, and you know okay. the, the Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burke. John Burke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's something great about the way Burke puts down MPs when they're. 
when he goes, sir, behave yourself. Uh, yes. This, is, this, yeah. isn't, this isn't yeah. the, the behavior of becoming of uh, the yeah. MP from yeah, Staffordshire yeah, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've kind of tried to make him a little bit like that. Grand but generous. Exactly, yeah. yeah Grand he's a, but he's generous. A, he's a lovely man. And, and I mean, what, what are the other things? Cat man. Uh, <laughs> well, cat rat man. Um, but but what, what, are the, what are the other things which is fabulous is, yeah, the, 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 um, Toto and Silver have been here such a short time, but they've already kind of feel at home in London. Yeah. And and what what are the I said oh because it's like kind of the London I want to live in you know the the animals which normally would eat each other are yes. actually chums and yes. this this is there's a bit of a diversity I, thing I, going yeah hundred percent and I fell in love with London from a very early age we used to come up here I was born in Colchester from uh, Irish stock and I mean very immediate Irish stock you know I feel I've still got an Irish passport for example but I was born in Colchester with um, my parents had just come over from Ireland they were in London and uh, for Several reasons they didn't want to stay in London, couldn't stay in London largely because they couldn't afford a house even then, and they so we moved out of town. And there, but we'd be back in London every couple of weeks. We'd either come and see my dad play hurling up in uh-huh, Rice yeah. or New Eltham, and who's part of the GAA it was a big part of his life, the Gaelic Games Association. And or we'd come and see our family in Northwest London. So all, all the Irish traditionally were in Queens Park, Kilburn, Cricketwood Way, and we'd, we'd spend a lot of time up there. And I and I remember I, I used to travel home, and this was before kids <laughs> so we had seatbelts and stuff and booster seats. And we used to have an old Vauxhall Viva. And my dad would put the back seat down on a Sunday night. And me and my sister would get in our sleeping bags. And we'd just go to sleep. And we'd just, I remember watching the, between the stars and the, and the streetlights uh, as, as, well, as we were lying down going to sleep. And, so, uh, and I, I fell in London. I fell in love with London mm. from a very early age. All those little well, the, romanticisms. The, the, there is that, the, when Catface takes them on a tour of, of London, yeah. that's, that, there is that kind of excitement yeah. of being but a tourist. But the key to London and yeah. why I loved it yeah. so much, even from an early age, is, is its diversity, yeah. is the fact it's a melting pot, is the fact that in many ways it's a very private city, yeah. and yet we do tend to come together when we absolutely need to. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very proud. I'm as much a Londoner as I am. I lived here more than I've lived anywhere else in my life. And I'm very proud of that. I like it. Really. And, uh, uh, the, one of the things I, other things I love about Toto is, yeah, absolutely, it's got that sense that perhaps it's exploring issues about diversity in a really gentle, gorgeous, playful way, but and contemporary issues. But also, it's got a bit of a classic children's story thing going on as well. Mm. There's, there's what the, the illustrations, Nick Keese, oh, too, Nick to illustrate. Stunning. My problem is that I, my the part of my brain that's enabled me to draw finished maturing when I was five years old so if you ask me to sketch a car now it will be exactly the same car as I sketched when I was five but so I needed someone to bring it to life well you you, you, you got the right bloke, didn't, didn't I? you absolutely and but the thing about what I love about Nick is I, I met him very early doors and right, I introduced him right. to the cats and he came down we had lunch you introduced him to the cats yeah why don't you I meet love my that. cats he has to meet the cats and, and, and they accepted him yeah oh yeah they loved great, him great, great. and um and I wanted to capture that Victoriana of lunch. Because one used to come well, up to... That's what I was going to say. Mary Poppins. Yes. One of the illustrations to me, there were cobbles on the streets. There was yes. that slightly twist in the right. I was, I yeah. was like, blimey, that's, that's, that's Mary Poppins. Well, moment. that's really what I wanted to, to do. Because I, I've, part of me falling in love with London was, was around my Auntie Angela's house, watching matinees every Sunday or every second Sunday that were My Fair Lady, Oliver Twist, Mary Poppins. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Ben Zoss and Broomsticks yeah. all of these kind of great children's um, uh, uh, films that 
that, that lend themselves to this wonderful kind of Victoriana of London, you know? And and because, uh, I mean, clearly the references to that, that tradition of children's stories are, qu- are quite strong through, through the images and through, through the story. But did you did you get many books at home when you were a kid? Were you, were you, were you much of a reader? Oh, yeah. You, well, yeah. I, we, we were lucky enough. Colchester had a, I don't know how it is now, but it had a terrific library. E- Essex libraries are some of the best. Are they? Country. Really good Essex libraries. Sorry yeah, to yeah. chuck you back a question, but why, why would that be? Um, traditionally, they've had amazing services, particularly for children and young people. And their work with schools and with book festivals in Essex Really, really tough. Right. They're, 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 they're a good place. Well, I used to love Colchester Library. It was just, and the thing is, what I loved about it was I could go in. I wouldn't necessarily have to pick up a book. There was just so <coughs> so much reading material there, or you could get the papers and get them on. The, remember that yeah. machine where you could well, well, you know, okay. So, so I have to declare an interest. I started my career off as a librarian. Did you? So everything you're saying at the moment is just making my heart beat a bit faster, <laughs> a bit faster. Well, I love the library. Yeah, I, I, I was I went to a church of England for primary school, which meant I had to do catechism classes because I'm Catholic. Uh, to get my first communion. So my dad would always take me on Saturday. All my mates would be off playing football and stuff, and I'd go and have to go and spend Saturday morning with the nuns. But uh, as part of that trade-off, he would uh, bring me to uh, BHS, where my mum worked, and I could have whatever I wanted to eat, so I traditionally had strawberry flan for breakfast on Saturday morning. And then he'd always take me to the library. Oh, so we'd spend about an hour or two fantastic. quality time in the library. So it was definitely the library, and we had a great mobile library as well. Right, that used nice, to come to right. And... So that's largely where I got my books from. And, I, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and my dad's a big reader, my mum's a big but reader. But there's that freedom in a library, isn't it, of actually being able to choose whatever you want and you're not paying, so oh, it doesn't God. matter if you get it wrong. A, I just love you're, it. You're a kid it's, in a candy store, It's wonderful. Store, Absolutely, a kid in a candy store. So, so, so you had that encouragement to read and uh, from, from visits to the library and that kind of stuff. What about writing? Because, as I say, you, you've got... I mean, you're clearly a storyteller, but not every storyteller is a natural writer. But this book suggests to me that actually it's, oh, it's quite an important really part nice of your you. identity. I, I, you know, I, I, it's really lovely to hear that. Thank you. I, I, uh, we were full of Irish kind of folk stories, but largely most of those were oral stories when I was a kid. Sort yeah, of passed yeah. down kind of classic, so kind of Finn McCall, yeah. O'Shea yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, in fact, I must get my dad to, to put pen to paper. And... Um, but, but but then I think the creative arts is something that's always interested me. And since I started working in telly and since I had the good fortune to be on telly, I just one of my I always insisted, well, listen, I want to either write or co-write my scripts because if it comes from your voice, then then it's authentic. And if it is if it doesn't come from your voice, then it's inauthentic. It's pretty much yeah, that yes, simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so I've always like worked either with the same producer, certainly the same writer, David Bedil's brother, Ivor oh, Bedil, right, right, who, right, um, yes. who's a terrific guy, he's a very dear friend. And we started out together when I was a researcher, and he was a, he was he was his first writing gig on like lunch, uh, which is a show with Mel and Sue oh, yeah. in the afternoon. And so me and Ivor kept in touch. And when I started writing, uh, we started doing telly. And you could, you know, I was able to pick my writer. I just got back in touch with Ivor because we had the same sense of humour and we get on very well. And um, so me and Ivor write most of the TV I do. But I've, so I've always written. And then when I was a kid, I used to, my poor father, I used to, I used to nick his paper, his kind of A4 paper, and write a detective fiction. Uh, two pages of detective fiction, and it, I mean it was all terrible stuff. Uh, and I'd go around 
the, the estate and try and sell it to our neighbours for 5p or something. And oh, <laughs> right. I, I like, knew, less I than the paper some, would have cost my dad. But I knew there was something like that because actually this kind of thing doesn't come from nowhere. And, and practising and doing that kind of stuff at home, playing at writing, is such an important kind of preparatory stuff. Yeah, for, for, yeah. And, 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 and that's one of the things which kind of I'm quite passionate about, that actually writing is as enjoyable as reading, that it doesn't actually just become a school thing that's taught by rote, but actually you discover your identity oh, as 100%, a young writer. I think so. I think, I think I, and I think that's kind of, I think that, that spans pastimes or genres or whatever you want to call it. So whether you find yeah. yourself, you know, expressing yourself through the songs you're writing or the dances you're dancing or the, or the plays you're putting on or... You know, even even the sport you're playing, I think the most important thing is to is to do. And and you know, writing's quite can be quite daunting because even now at my age, writing, you know, you sit down, you know, and it's that old adage: it's bums on seats. If you if you as in your bum on yes, the seat, yeah. writing or typing, and as yeah. soon as you start, then 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 I don't know. I found it a really enjoyable process. It's just the actual. It can quite be quite daunting when you look at a big story arc and you go, "Ooh, how am I going to get from there to there?" And because the way I write, I, I quite like to, to sort of go off on tangents every now and again. <laughs> and if they work, fantastic. And yeah. if my publisher says they pro- probably not, that doesn't make much sense, then then fine. But, um, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's the, it's the start of the process is, is the most daunting. But as soon as you start, it's it's... It gives you so much joy, but 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 I mean the the two the two themes that always seem to come through when I talk to writers is first of all the creativity, the inspiration, the theme, but the other is to be briefly honest, time management. <laughs> you know, as you you've got you've got to get those words on the piece of paper, yeah, haven't you? Time management, and, and bear in mind you are probably one of the busiest people in the United Kingdom. Yeah, you know, how, <laughs> how, how, how many dermatologists aren't there? How do you do it? Sadly, possibly? there's just well, thankfully there's just one. Um, I. It's it, you know what you're absolutely right. It is time management, and you find out you find out very quickly what sort of person you are as to when you like to write and when you like to work. So when's your well, weirdly moment? most of my TV is done in the evening. Um, my favourite time to write is the morning. That's very interesting. I like getting up, getting having some porridge or some or, or, and a few cups of coffee straight away, and then yeah. getting in front of it and working till lunch before anything else crowds into absolutely, your head. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you find yourself dreaming about the characters? Oh kind god, of... yeah. I've got a notebook by oh, my bed. How much fun! Right. Well, and I just take it with me all the time now. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. I'll go, and then I'll sort to go. For example, there's 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 a scene in the second book where there's a big kind of. Oh, uh, 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 well, this this is great. So so you've just you've just that, okay. Wow, <laughs> the second book. Yeah. So we are looking at a second Toto yeah, book. Yeah, we are. Brilliant. We're looking at a second Toto book in about four days' time. Four days. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to finish by f- my first draft by Friday. Right. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, okay. So, so we can't talk for very long, can yeah, we? Right. Exactly. Okay. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, there's a scene in the second book where. Uh, there's a big bar in Brawl, uh, what a milk bar where the cats. Go. I, was, I was going to say bar in Brawl, yeah. and a ki- right, exactly. Okay, milk the cats bar. all go to milk bars. Milk bar, of course. So the whole thing I wanted to turn into, like, very much got the animal tube in the first book. Yes. And I wanted to, you know, I kind of like the idea, therefore, that there are because we all have this fantasy that our, our pets live separate lives anyway, don't we? And I love the idea that there's a whole, there's an animal government, there's an animal tube system, there's an animal. So, so all the animals, like, the, so there are, there's a, a milk bar. Which is essentially, you know, our pub. We have that they have to go to to meet an informant who's going to give them some information, and a, a big sort of brawl ensues. 
and somehow I've written a little hedgehog who wakes up from his hibernation <laughs> into it. And I just and the, so I woke up the other night, halfway through the night, started chortling to myself and just wrote down hedgehog. In my oh, that book. is fantastic! <laughs> that is brilliant. So, 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 t- Toto's the house. The animals are in your head. So yeah. you're actually kind of you're submerging yourself in the creative process. I guess, you? yeah. And it's and it, you're just giving it those moments you can. Absolutely, yeah, I, and. Like I said, if you as soon as you start, I mean, weird. I get some days. I, I had a, thought I'd have a really great day last week, and I sat down. And I think I probably did about five hundred words, but at the end of the day, I was livid myself. And then I looked down the other day, and I and I'd had a you know a window of maybe three hours, and I'd written two three thousand words. That's incredible. Just, yeah. yeah, it's weird, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So Especially when you see me type, then it's even weirder. Oh, right, you you type directly. You don't you don't record. You're not right. Okay. Right, two one finger at a time. Two index fingers. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Okay, so so you the, when when did Toto? When was it published? It was about a year ago now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Last year. And and you've been going around talking to a lot of kids about the book. I'm I just wondering what what you've heard from the kids about the. Well, that, that for me is the most inspiring thing. I know I don't want to sound like a beauty queen, but that's but the the impact you have. If you see a seven-year-old turning up to World Book Day dressed as your cat, yeah, or yes, yeah. the mother of someone yeah. posting something on the Instagram, yes, or yeah. goodbye Toto. Harry, goodbye Hermione. <laughs> no, I, Hello, Toto. I, I think they're, they're firmly they're firmly <laughs> still in the front of the cupboard. But um, if you you know if you can inspire any kid to either read or to write, then it, it's a satisfaction that I'm getting from that. That I am I'm not surprised that I'm getting, but I'm taken aback by. That how much that means to me, I think. That's that's fascinating. And and I suppose one of the things which constantly excites me is the fact that actually, you know, that the, the the you open a newspaper and you imagine no child has read a book since nineteen eighty four. Um but the truth is such a nonsense. Is, though, it's such nonsense. Exactly. I mean kids are more hungry for stories and perhaps perhaps the state of the world makes them more hungry for stories than ever before. Because stories help I you think make so. sense. And of you know, things. I think I think that you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like a like an education system, but I, I guess it's everything in moderation, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. I remember the excitement of playing my ZX Spectrum when I was a kid, and it was just largely because anyone that had a ZX Spectrum or any kind of home computer in the eighties will relate to this. I'm sure you will. Where to, even to get the game onto the computer was oh, like was a camel hike. I mean, Absolutely. it was just yeah, yeah. if you walked past it or looked at it in the wrong Absolutely. way, it would crash. Absolutely. And then when you had this sort of heavily pixelated game, but my point is. It's about a communal experience. Yeah. And if you can get your kids reading the same book or if you can get your kids even playing the same game, then it means they're doing something together. And if they're talking together and experience, if it's experiential, then... And I, th- I, th- I, think, I think that's a really, really good point. I mean, one of the things which really amazes me is how many reading groups for kids there are mm. these days. And when kids read books these days, they want to share those stories. They want to, they want to meet all, they want to meet you. Yeah. Understandable. But they want, to, they want to, you know, that sense that reading is far more interactive than perhaps it was 20, 30 years ago. I definitely ago. think so. And that's why, in, in many ways, actually, I feel, I feel that kind of criticism about kids playing games is unfounded because you can argue that reading a book is a very solitary experience, yeah. but it isn't. Kids don't. Kids, yeah. kids want to share all the time, yeah. you know. And actually, yeah. that that doesn't go away. I was I was reading a book on the tube, maybe six months ago, and someone came up to me. That's a terrific. I love it. Like on Instagram, whenever I read a book, I yeah. post the book at the end and just go. This is why I loved. And there's a couple of books that I've read and I've gone. Do you know what? I didn't enjoy that as much. I'm not gonna. I'm not posting this to show off that I'm reading a book. I'm posting it just to share it because yeah. that's. That's me age, you know, 44, as opposed to me age six or seven, yeah, yeah. when 
I did yeah. exactly the same, but I come into school with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's spot on, isn't it? That, that reading is not passive activity. It is interactive. You create the meaning yourself. In fact, it's, it's more actively interactive. Than... Nothing makes me happier than when I can sit and talk books with someone and we, and we, I find out what they've read and what I've yeah, read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, uh, before we finish the the the, the, the interview, what what what, you, what are you reading at the moment? Oh, what's, what's... I tell you, what I'm reading at the moment. And for my sin, I'm a, I'm I'm quite a slow reader. Oh, am I a slow reader? I don't know. <laughs> I've only got my wife to compare myself to, and she is she is unbelievable. Oh, there's nothing sinful about slow reading. There's a, the, the, well, no, I do you know what it is. Catholic guilt I is only, getting the Yeah, I know. Story, but so I, I only get, feel like this is one thing you're allowed to do. I get two thirds through a book, and then I'm like. I need to speed up because I need to read the next book. I just yeah, largely yes. just because I want the next piece yeah. of cake. I want yeah, the next abs- dessert. I, you know, I want the next. I understand Bacon sandwich. It's just it's that, that that book's looking at me. And I, even this morning, I went past my bookshelf. One of my bookshelves. Thought, what am I going to do next? Who's who's yeah. getting picked next? Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, it's a book that's been on my on my shelf for about fifteen years that I bought years ago from a charity 15 shop. Fifteen years. Wow. Uh, which is David Niven's biography oh. called "The Moon's a Balloon." Oh, and it is a beautiful, One of charming, my mum's favourite books, actually. Well, it, it's such a lovely book because he, he comes, like, it's funny, on the back, they, they, the, one of the reviews is charm oozes out of every page. And it's the perfect review for the book because it does. And, but this guy's so interesting. He started off, his father died in Gallipoli in the First World War. He then kind of got sent off to a couple of boarding schools, which he hated. He, his mother shacked up with a Tory MP who hated him. He then ended up somehow getting... He went over to America and just did. You know, got involved in the indoor pony racing circuit. <laughs> then somehow through... He was obviously a charming man. Um, I met a few people. Ended up moving to Hollywood, trying to get a job as an actor. Somehow he gets a job as an extra actor. And then, uh, he firstly, he joins, he joins the... Uh, I think he joins the Navy to start with. And then... Uh, it's sort of in the, like, now 30s. Uh, then Hitler declares war. Then he comes back and signs up. So, but they all did. That's the crazy thing. So Lawrence Olivier, uh, Noel yeah, Coward, yeah, I think. Yeah. So all these guys sort of just, you know, he, he talks about seeing Cary Grant back here. Um, all these guys signed up. So then they, they, he's in this kind of recon unit called the, the Phantom Unit. And now war's about to finish. And then he'll go back. And then he wins an Oscar in 1958. Extraordinary. So it's just it's an unbelievable yes, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, Incredible yeah, life. Yeah. Yeah, but and also he was just such an amazing brand, wasn't he? Suave, charm. Yeah, As you yeah, say, yeah, yeah. just fantastic. Right, so... Final moments of the interview. What are the what are the Dermot O'Leary top tips for for, for encouraging reading and writing? You know, the wisdom distilled from, <laughs> from a literary life so oh. far. <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a world of pain if we're distilling my wisdom. <laughs> in terms of children or Well, yeah, yeah, let's talk with kids, yeah. I think um I think for me, let your imagination run wild. Don't worry. I think even even if the only people who are gonna read this book are your parents, your grandparents your brothers, your sisters, maybe a couple of friends at school, don't be shy about it. Just go for it. Um, that's certainly my advice in writing. And don't think about having the idea. Just do the idea. Because that's... Actually, Simon Mayo gave me that great advice. And Simon Mayo's a brilliant writer himself. He is, yeah, yes. And uh, who's a guy I work with on Radio 2. I'm sure most people listening will know. And Simon... Um, has written some great books. And actually, I loved his book. There's a book called Blame, which is a young adult yes, fiction book. Yes. About kind of dystopian future and, and living in a, a, a like a commune of, of, of a couple of prisons. Yeah, yes. And um, and I was talking to him about about a couple of ideas I had, and he just said, "Listen, there's no substitute for sitting down and writing. Mm. Just write it." Mm. And and that, that kind of kicked. This is good few years ago now. Like yes, kind of kicked yeah, me into yes, actually, you know yeah. what? Let's do this. And in terms of reading, 
try new things, pick up everything and make sure you give yourself. Because life, life's so busy, I don't think it matters whether you're 8 or 80. The world just moves so, so fast nowadays where I think the most important thing is to give yourself that time to read. And I think you'll, you'll benefit from it. Brilliant advice. Whether that's bedtime, whether that's, Brilliant. you know, when you get back from school. Whether, yeah. My mother, for example, now even, will have a breakfast and then she'll take herself off for half an hour upstairs with the last with the last sort of morning cup of coffee yeah, yes. just read for half but that, i think that's such that's you know I, one of the key things i've got from talking to you is that thing about time that actually whether it's writing or reading actually you know life as you say is crazy and wonderful and fantastic but actually we'll all benefit if we can just find a bit of time yeah for for, for what's important Dermot, thank you so very, thank very thank much. You. It's been wonderful to chat to yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Really and um, um, if you want to know more about the work of the National Literacy Trust, we're raising literacy levels through campaigns and programmes across the UK. Log on to our website, literacytrust.org.uk, and find out more about our work. And if you can, get involved. Thank you very much.